0: Go ahead and stand up and start with prayer. I guess they could sit right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no,
0: I don't mind. <laughs> oh, heavenly King, the comfort of the Spirit of Truth, who art ever present and fillest all things, treasure your blessings and give of life, come and abide in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls, a good one. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we have, last week I passed out uh, this work by St. John of Damascus. Uh, That is on the virtues and vices. And basically, the idea, as you can see, very in the first few sentences, he says, everyone should know the virtues attached to the body and the soul. Part of... So I have, like, two or three birds I'm trying to hit with this one stone. One is to have you actually read something from a church father so that you actually get a primary text. This was... You might say, this is short. This is short Mm -hmm. for... A reading from a church father. Uh, It's not, it's concise when you might say, this is concise. Like, yes. (laughs) In some ways, it is concise. And technical. Uh, And technical. Because John of Damascus is basically weaving together centuries before him to then, uh, the famous work by him is called On the Orthodox Faith. Sebastian, if you want to grab that chair and pull it back there, that's fine. As long as you don't mind, maybe your knees get popped a little bit, that's okay. Um, So he's a great synthesizer. He's also was a poet, so there's a lot of uh, his canons that we sing in church and come to vigil at matins, we'll be singing things from John Damascus. Uh, His famous work that we now have in English, uh, we've had it in English, we have a new translation from St. Vladimir's Seminary Press on the Orthodox faith, just kind of summarizes all the Christological debates beforehand, uh, various ways of talking about the Trinity, how we basically talk about the Trinity uh he talks about what humans are, what angels are like this kind of broad, call it on the orthodox faith yes
1: did he also like drive M- M- Muslims insane? I c- I've heard that
0: so I'm sure he <laughs> had engagements because Saint John Damascus he was after Islam came and took over that part of the Mediterranean, right? Uh, because the Patriarch in Jerusalem fell, I think in the sixth century. So uh, he's after that. So he would have been, uh, he was engaged in the courts, the local Islamic leaders, and he would have been engaged with discussion. So of course, you kind of need a handbook. I'll just say a handbook uh, for priests, for educated laity, etc., to be able to engage, right? Because if you're engaging with Islam, and they're telling you you believe in three gods. You're like, we don't believe in three gods. Uh, how could the like? There's a devotion in a way in Islam to uh, the Theotokos to Mary, but they won't call her the Theotokos, right? She's a, she's kind of like a prophet, the prophet's mom, right? She's like uh, Hannah to Samuel, right? So you get uh, with John of Damascus um, summaries. I also since we we're about we're going to go into Lent, uh There is necessary to go as we were talking about, started talking about last week, uh, with vigilance over the heart, the spiritual warfare, etc., to give some structure to how we think. Because I've had a lot of conversations with some of you individually, and I just think this is generally true. Uh, You grew up Christian. You had this kind of idea: Jesus came, He died for me, He saved me from my sins. (laughs) Ta-da! That's it, right? But the history and tradition of the church is that's the beginning of the life in Christ, where there is the need to uproot uh, all of the, uh, let's say, the weeds of the vices and the addictions and the the issues that we struggle with, uh, and to then plant the seeds of virtues. So this gives us say a roadmap just kind of like some, a, a sketching is this necessarily going to drive you to repentance maybe right like if you prayerfully go over as we'll just in a minute we'll go through some of these cause he just goes like here's the bodily virtues
1: <laughs> here's
0: the passions of the soul <laughs> and in those lists it's not him just being like I'm just gonna come up with every." but there are things that are helpful I don't know how many people that come to confession and they'll have like there's usually a few major things that they're very aware of but being able to prepare for confession this might even be helpful to prepare for confession right because there's also a lot of times when we think about the life in Christ we think about the the things that we're struggling with actively or not actively right (laughs) the things that we've submitted ourselves to uh, or the things that we're trying to uproot and let God into that space Uh, but then we also don't think it's very common uh, sorry let me back up it's very common to be like I'm going to use the Ten Commandments to prepare for confession okay I didn't do that or like I have some issues with idolatry because all of us have some issues with idolatry right? Uh, I could respect my parents more because all of us generally have trouble with the people that we know the best (laughs) right So, but then that's all kind of like I didn't break, or I didn't, versus thinking about, like, um, the virtues, like, I lack things that I actually need, so it's not just, what rules did I break, or how did I mess up, but how dead am I, (laughs) (laughs) and where do I need to grow, kind of like what I was talking about in the homily, right, like, there's this idea of repentance, it's just kind of like, I'm repenting, it's like, no, I'm repenting. Like, I have, like, Christ is giving me life. I need joyfulness. There is, like, the virtues, the goodness that needs to be implanted. So this helps us give a kind of bigger picture because all of us can kind of be like, yeah, angry, I'm impatient, but, or we think as at the very end, I'm just gonna hit, um, let's see here. Let's go up to the very last page, the front where it says struggle for virtue. And then this last paragraph here at the bottom. I should have put numbers on this page, sorry. This is like edition 2.0. There will be a 3.0 released (laughs) shortly. I will push it to your phone so you have to upload it. (coughs) Hence it is clear, that very last paragraph. Hence it is clear that someone who occasionally shows compassion is not compassionate. And someone who occasionally practices self-control is not self-controlled. A compassionate, self-controlled man is someone who fully, persistently, and with unfailing discrimination strives all his life for total virtue, for discrimination is greater than any other virtue, and is the queen and crown of all the virtues. The same is true of the vices. We call a man a fornicator, a drunkard, or a liar, not on account (coughs) of a single lapse, but only when he keeps on falling into the sin in question and makes no attempt to correct himself. So part of why I'm giving this is just kind of get a thicker, broader idea of what holiness is and what vice is, what uh, then the spiritual warfare that occurs here in the heart. Uh, how many of you read this? Wow, awesome. How, how hard was this to read?
2: I'd rate it 8 out of 10. I
1: thought the worst
0: afterwards. Really? <laughs> I hope that me <laughs> formatting it like this helps you. Because this is also the thing. This, I'm going to give you... Sorry, I'm not trying I'm going to do a professorial move, move here, right? The fathers, while it seems real, like it's new information, right, but they almost always tell you what they're doing. Or, they, as you can see, like they break things out very often. Athanasius does this. Like, right? Because a lot of times, they know they have to give cues, like, you've heard a lot of sermons and like, you can tell, now I'm going to say this thing, right? So, being able to go through the first time, you usually read something, you just kind of like, I kind of get the gist of it. The second time, then you can go in and kind of break it down. So, any questions, or general questions, before we just kind of dive in? Alright, so... Man is twofold, right? He's soul and body, and because of that, there is corresponding virtues or sen- sorry senses that then from those senses flow virtues, the correct use of these things. St. Maximus the Confessor. So I'm I'm gonna do commentary on this generally, okay? St. Maximus the Confessor says all sin is basically in the misuse of things, right? Sex is fine when it's between a man and a woman in marriage. Outside of that, sex is not healthy. It's not good for you. So the use of, right, that action is fine. It's blessed in this space. I'm trying to find the right language for this. I don't know why I chose this topic. (laughs) But it's also that, like, this is one of those that's, like, the question mark, especially right now. There's a whole lot of question marks, right? So the right use of it, children, uh, food, we can just go down all sorts of things. The way I use my car, like, I can... Uh, the way I use, like, a hammer, the way I, all of these things, and not just, like, I can kill somebody with a hammer, but, like, I can, my anger, like, I can break, there's all sorts of things that flow out how we use things. So, John is basically talking about what powers do we have? What senses have been given to us? And how do we mess those things up? How do we abuse those things? So, we have the soul, these senses, intellect, reason, opinion, Fantasy and sense perception, and then bodily senses, sight, smell, hearing, taste, and touch. Yes.
2: So does fantasy, does that mean like
0: imagination or? Yes. Okay. So he doesn't spend much time on that in this particular work, uh, but like I told you, like on the Orthodox faith, there you, you can find him go into more detail about broader things in this. Yes.
3: What's the major difference between intellect and reason? In this?
0: So here's a, here's a note to everyone. Remember when we were talking about the noose? Mm-hmm. A lot of mm-hmm. English translators early on chose intellect. So what really is there is your noose versus basically it's what the Latin would have used, intellectus, mm-hmm. instead of noose in the Greek, mm-hmm. versus reason, which is ratio in Latin. Mm-hmm. right? So discursive thinking versus kind of, I hate to put it, kind of this intuitive, but even deeper than intuitive. Because uh, opinion is that more, uh, you'll see also how it flows from the three parts of the soul too, okay? Sense perception is just what we would like, the data, the raw data that it's dealing with, okay? So the virtues of the soul, because this breaks down into the body and then the soul. So first, he is going to go and talk about the virtues of the soul. Has anyone heard of the cardinal virtues before? Okay, courage, moral judgment, self-restraint, and justice. Right, moral judgment, uh, self-restraint. You might have heard like temperance. Uh, there is this is the classic four. This is Aristotle. This is the Greek philosophical tradition. Christians took on all of this because uh, they saw the need. The the cardinal virtues, why the cardinal virtues, kind of like the cardinal directions, right? These are the four things that you need operating in order to express the virtues. You need self-restraint. You need courage. This is one of those things I think in the spiritual life we forget about the need for courage, right? The, The need of courage to actually deal with yourself. Courage to actually stand up for things. Courage to actually go out there and kind of embrace the fight instead of cowardice, right? Uh, moral judgment, this need for discernment, as to as we read earlier, like discernment is the queen of everything. We were talking about, a lot about in women's synaxis yesterday about discernment. The need is the queen. I wasn't just making that up, right? It's the queen of the virtues, uh, according to the fathers. Why would you think that discernment is the queen of the virtues? makes me think of the three of
1: the virtues. The tree of
0: good and evil, and the need for discernment. Right, we're going to get to that need for discernment a little bit later, even more when we talk about how sin there's a deceitfulness to sin. Right, it promises things that can't actually give us.
3: Yeah, I think too. There's like sometimes like a spectrum with sin, and you're like you kind of trick yourself into thinking that maybe it isn't when it's like if you have to think about it, then it probably is.
0: Right, so sin is tricky, deceitful, like what that part that we read a little bit, like, I'm really compassionate because I'm nice to people who like me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jesus has something to say about that, right? Like that, No, you're not, actually. This is why the Father is. It's why reading spiritual literature, we're all kind of basically familiar with basics of Christianity, right? I'm supposed to love my enemies. <laughs> That's really easy to say. The father's like St. Maximus, he's like if you can, if you harbor any ill will against anyone, you do not love your enemies, right? You don't love God. And he put that's what the father's like intensifying and push and say like this is really what is being said. You can't trick yourself out of this, right? Or just allow yourself to just say like no. I'm okay. I fast three times a day. <laughs> I or three times a, like I do all these things. I'm doing all right. That's why we have the the Sunday of the Pharisee and the publican coming up,
1: right? You raised your hand. Yeah. Why is it that. What were you saying before? I've been up a little while. I mean, I've been saying a lot of things. So, which thing? (laughs) I lost it.
0: Okay. If it comes back up, we'll go there, okay? Will somebody read aloud what the cardinal virtues help to birth in the soul? Yes, let's do it loudly. Please. Mm-hmm.
2: Cardinal virtues birth these soul virtues faith, hope, love, prayer, humility, gentleness, long suffering, forbearance, kindness, freedom from anger, knowledge of God, cheerfulness, simplicity, calmness, sincerity, freedom from vanity, freedom from pride, absence of envy, honesty, freedom from avarice, compassion. Mercifulness, generosity, fearlessness, freedom from dejection, deep compunction, modesty, reverence, desire for the blessings held in store, longing for the kingdom of God, and aspiration for divine sonship.
0: Take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Any of these? Yes. What does it
1: mean by freedom from de- uh, dejection?
0: What do you think freedom from dejection means? Know what, know is. what is dejection? Is that what you're asking?
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, despondency, despair. Everything I do is wrong. Yeah, this doing? kind of dejectedness, like Eor. Does that help? Do you know who Eeyore is? Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> you're too young.
1: <laughs>
0: we need to do. The <laughs> <laughs> Go on YouTube, Don, <laughs> And look up Eeyore. Is it two E's at the beginning?
1: Yeah. Yes. yeah.
0: Alright, Eeyore was this donkey. You know who Winnie the Pooh is. I
1: think so. Okay, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I would like
2: to
3: say this is not an age thing. <laughs> I know perfectly
1: well who Winnie it's the is. It's okay, Don.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know who Mr. Rogers is.
1: We're old. Just face it. It's okay. Daniel
0: Tiger? Okay, good, because you're too old for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alright, so Eeyore was the donkey that would go around going, Uh, Everybody's (laughs) doing something fun, (laughs) and I have nothing to do. Needs thistles. (coughs) (laughs) Dejection, despondency, despair. What some people think repentance is. (laughs) Okay. Any of these others jump out at you? It's quite a list of virtues, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Deep compunction
0: as a virtue. Yeah. What do you think about that?
2: That it's the well, I've read a lot of the Desert Fathers, where so I understand the the idea of being sorrowful for your sins in your own. Yep. Your own thing. So it's the godly sorrow and in comparison to the ungodly sorrow. Yes.
0: From Paul, right? In Corinthians, where he talks about there's godly sorrow, and there's a sorrow of the flesh, like, oops, I got caught. That kind of, like, sorrow. Yeah.
2: It might be difficult to, to distinguish, then, between the de- decompunction, compo- de- which is positive, and uh, the other thing we're talking about. like Freedom
0: from dejection? Yeah. Um, I think part of it's... I think sometimes, because the spiritual life and virtues is not a mathematical grid we need to talk about things in kind of these broad uh, brush strokes because it helps sometimes to get language to be able to identify and maybe they kind of bleed together because the way the fathers all talk about this, all this stuff is connected to each other how can you have deep compunction if you don't have hope you can't really be sorrowful for your sins and not have hope Cause you're just going to go into despondency right like there is with these It's why i often will encourage folks if there's one thing that you're struggling with if you attack or go after that thing you're going to in other areas without you even trying to there's going to be some improvement in some of those areas right uh if because the father's just talk about it, it's like a web And as we start in a life of confession and start really kind of trying to attend to the wounds that we're trying to cover up with our various addictions to the pleasures that we've decided to fill in the blank, uh, we're gonna realize how these things or something happens, a stressor, a a fight with a spouse, like mom texts us, something like that can make us like eat a bowl of, like not just a bowl of ice cream, but like.
1: <laughs> right, a carton of ice cream because
0: we're, we're stressed out, and so we, we've gone to gluttony as a way to assuage ourselves. Right, Richard, you had uh,
3: desire for the blessings held in store. Now, is that like a reference to like self transformation, or basically like the way that you had changed yourself that you know, like just more goodness, I guess, would come to you, or, or is it in reference to something? So else? I'll say
0: we never change ourselves. We can part of the mystery of this, and this is. I believe it's from the chapter for this week, from Frederick and Matthew Green about synergy, or synergy. Uh, if you haven't read that chapter, I suggest reading it, which is that we're always working with God for our salvation, right? So I specifically think what John is talking about here, desire for the blessings held in store, is heaven. There is already, we get a foretaste of the kingdom of heaven here and now. Uh, but it's a foretaste, so we have that desire for eternal life with him, okay? And heaven is not, like, ambrosia or, like, like right? It, it, it is full communion with God, right? That's why we can have a foretaste here now.
2: So Tom and I were talking last night, and I'm not going to be as thoughtful as him, so you just have to deal with that. But mm-hmm. interesting that love
1: isn't one of the cardinal virtues. It's, it's
2: I right guess
0: there not- at the top. Oh, you mean the cardinal virtues? Card-
2: yeah. I mean, it's there, but its I guess we expected it to be higher up in the, in the algorithm. <laughs> so I think the,
0: the reason is because cardinal virtue are kind of like controlling. Think of it like the cardinal directions. They're kind of like the controlling things that you need mm-hmm. operating in order to birth these mm-hmm. things. Does that make sense? I
4: think, I mean, that's kind of
2: what I came to understand as I looked at it more. So
0: I'll tell you this. You're hitting on dissertation topics of okay. like... Theological ethics that have been going on for hundreds of years. So your intuition is right. Where they go? Why did the early church? Why did Mm -hmm. they just kind of adopt this? And usually, what I have discovered in my reading in that area is generally because they don't actually understand what the cardinal virtues are for. Mm -hmm. So there's a reason why they call them the cardinal virtues. But they also talk about theological virtues. He doesn't talk about them here. Mm -hmm. But do you know what the theological virtues are? Faith, hope, and love. Ah. Okay. So. We're going to go to the bodily virtues, okay? Who would like to read the bodily virtues or tools of virtue? All right.
3: When used with understanding in accordance with God's will and without the least hypocrisy or desire to win men's esteem, they make it possible to advance in humility and dispassion. They are self-control, fasting, hunger, thirst, staying awake, keeping all night vigil, constant kneeling, not washing, the wearer of a single garment, eating dry food, eating slowly, drinking nothing but water, sleeping on the ground, poverty, total shedding of possessions, austerity, disregard for for personal appearance, unselfishness, solitude, preserving stillness, not going out, enduring scarcity, being self-supporting, silence, working with your own hands, and every kind of hardship and, and physical asceticism. With other similar practices possible when the body is wrong but when the body is weak holy humility and thanksgiving suffices for everything all right
0: when you first read the line about bodily virtues did you think that this was going to be the the list no so what jumps out of you uh, this list what? Being fit. Being fit? <laughs> oh, in order to do this, you need to be physically fit? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Not washing. Not washing. <laughs> Sleeping
2: on the ground.
0: Sleeping on the ground.
1: Eating
2: <laughs> slowly.
0: So, let's just take these one at a time. Alright. What do you think he is talking about with not washing? He wants everybody to smell? <laughs>
4: it's,
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
4: Is it saying like we should have our self care, or saying that we should care
0: for yourself better by Yes, in a different way than what we typically mean when we say say self care. It doesn't mean a latte in a movie or
1: something, <laughs> right? Okay.
2: Is it because we have this tendency to focus so much on the cleanliness and appearance of our body that like we'll we'll bathe every day or two times a day, and that kind of uh, preoccupation of our mind is harmful to us? And so, like, going longer amount of times to where you're actually dirty and you actually need a bath instead of doing it,
0: you know, for our own vanity's sake. Is that what he's getting at? So this is why we need the cardinal virtue of discernment. (laughs) (laughs) This is also, so, you can see why somebody on their own, they try Mm -hmm. to pick this up and read this, and they don't have somebody to guide them. They're going to be really smelly. (laughs) They're going to be, right? like you need somebody to help this is why you have a confessor this is why you have a priest it's not that i'm especially wise smart or whatever it's to have somebody else to be able to check your tendency to be crazy (laughs) (laughs) or to be really slack to be able to push you a little bit to be able to say like to you know say married man multiple kids and he's ready to sell everything and go out into the wilderness. <laughs> you know what I'm going to tell him? No. No! <laughs> I'm going to quit my job. Like, do you have another job lined up? <laughs> so, you need discernment, but that—that that what you're getting at, what is that behind not washing, is he's getting at vanity. Uh, I also have to think, we were talking about the 8th century here, right? Washing is a different thing, and so... We also this is also why we need discernment, right? Like some of these things, there are monastics that they bathe semi irregularly, right? Uh, if you, I've been to the monastery and Holy Cross, and they've actually literally kind of joked about this, we're like, "Oh no, we take showers." Like <laughs> the, the the idea, the challenge is not again, it's the misuse. It's not bathing yourself is the problem. It's why th- we're going to hit something later about makeup right is it what when you read when you read about makeup in the old testament what is makeup makeup in the old testament like a sign of
2: prostitution, prostitution
0: yeah. right there's a different thing going on in the ancient world you uh, because if you're married in the ancient world you your hair is covered like that because that's a sign of like availability etc etc right uh, we're in, we live in different worlds. I'm not saying it's better <laughs> now, per se, but that gap, we need discernment about what it is, right? If we find that we're really... men, Because this is typical to like kind of go after women, because men don't typically <laughs> wear makeup. Yeah, but men can care a whole lot about how they look and spend a whole lot of time self-prening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or even if they don't spend that much time, you can still have the vice or the problem of really being concerned about how you look and present yourself to the world, whether or not it's how you dress. Right? Does that make sense? What was that? Sleeping on the ground. Why, why would sleeping on the ground be a bodily virtue? Maybe taking pride in, in
1: like, comfort, of, like, in the comfort of, of your bed.
0: So I wouldn't say maybe pride, but you're on to this... We live very pampered lives, and you'll notice a trend through here, the same with like vanity, is it is good for us and we grow when we have opposition, when we have things to actually develop. Am I gonna tell you guys to start, like get rid of your bed and sleep on the ground? No, if you are specifically struggling against some particular sins, or that there's something really rough going on, and you want to do an all-night vigil, Right? That's one of the bodily virtues. Uh, that's good. How often do we actually turn into re- like taking prayer seriously when something is coming up? Like, please, God, make this better. Amen. Right? As opposed to, like, vigilance of the heart, like, actually putting in. Uh, St. Sarah from Sarov has this um, metaphor, Basically, it's kind of like banking. Like, you do gain as you deposit into the spiritual bank, right? You do gain something out of that. You need to be wise in doing that. So, do I suggest for folks who are just new to orthodoxy to pull an all-night vigil? I'm probably going to guess you're probably going to get to about an hour, if that, and sputter out. But that's the desire to be able to know. This is also, like, I'm trying this exposure. Like, get an idea of like, orthodox spirituality. Like, part of the fruits of repentance that I was talking about in the homily, right? Like, there is, uh, so Saint Imphilohio said, go plant trees. A lot of saints, like, part of a penance or repentance, uh, is doing prostrations. Physically, like, working, it's like a spiritual workout, right? You use your body, because guess what? You are your body. And it It gets you used to humility. It it is training yourself to be able to take on. I mean, Paul talks about this in scripture, right? I buffet my body daily, right? Like, so I'm not just boxing in vain. Like, there is this, I need spiritual exercise, and that is going to involve my body. There was some other question, yeah? Well,
2: I was just going to comment. It seems like also this is to develop like empathy and gratitude because mm-hmm. when, like if you see somebody who's unwashed on, on the street or like sleeping on
3: a box or something like that, it's really easy to look down on them But then you realize, I would get filthy and I would get grubby if I didn't have
1: the, the nice convenient shower I mm-hmm. get in. It.
0: Yeah. Well, this is why it is, that's why, so that last thing, and I'll do the eating slowly because I think that's actually, that's something that all of us could probably work on a little bit easier than some of these other ones right uh is the the need for right discernment when the body's strong when you're fit when you're young or even older because old like there's a lot of examples of older saints they're doing like a hundred prostrations every other hour or something right that means they got really good at they didn't go to the gym they just did prostrations okay (laughs) uh but when your body is weak you can't do that anymore And it's gonna have to change. Mm -hmm. And that's why he says, holy humility and thanksgiving suffices for everything. If you're really sick, you got stomach cancer, you're not gonna be able to, you're gonna be, your diet is not going to be free. It's gonna be dictated, right? There's a computer right in that that box. So, eating slowly. I, I suggest doing this with fasting. Also, the fathers also talk about, like, they actually talk about this? They do talk about this. Don't eat until you're full. This is also, like, basic wisdom, right? You eat until right about when you're full, because if you're eating till you actually feel full, you're stuffing yourself at that Mm -hmm. point. Right, to be content. You need food in order to survive. So there's this kind of push against, like, excess, luxury, this, because... Others need it, so there's this outward direction with alms giving. So when we get to Lent, we're gonna there's a lot of hymn to be about about almsgiving. That's why dry eating. Uh, this is especially in the first week of Lent. Monastics, they don't cook any food. They just eat dry like bread, fruit, nuts. And they also don't eat for the first three days typically. They wait until after pre-sanctified liturgy on Wednesday. So there's this realization that puts you in a position of humility, actual I'll say mindfulness, but I mean like the spirit of gratitude, right? That you are actually, you can taste your food when you go slower. You can actually savor it in a way that's not just like, this is great, right? <laughs> yeah. And it should, thanksgiving, of prayerfulness. Because uh, otherwise, we just stuff ourselves when we think about it. And then we go to the next thing that tastes good and we stuff ourselves. All right, passions of the soul. Yep. Not going out. Not going out. Alright, so this is also, this obviously has a monastic influence. Uh, if you read a lot of the Desert Fathers, they'll say things like, don't ever leave your cell. Salvation is found in your cell. Right? Cell is not a prison cell, that's just the language they have for their, like, their, their personal space, right? Just making sure that nobody thinks we're talking <laughs> about dungeons and stuff. Here. Uh, how often... I mean, I experienced like the first week of Lent. I'm just basically at church and at home, and it's like three days of just church. Especially when I was when we were at when I was at seminary on uh, Clean Monday, I was in church for like eight or nine hours. Okay, and then you go to the supermarket, oh. and you're just like, <laughs> 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 Adver- like you're just like the world is set like because you have cut out things, so there is a sense of how easy it is for us to be busy and to always be pushing to go somewhere else because we're bored. This is why the, the, the Desert Fathers talk a lot about don't loiter outside yourself. I'm sure you all have done this in college. I'm going to go hang out at the library because I'm going to study. <laughs> no, you're just going to go there and go talk the whole time with other people who they're studying too, Right?
1: Yeah, I'm going to the coffee shop
0: because I'm going to study. No, nope. okay. That's the idea, is this kind of, like, be intent and do the thing that you need to do. Stay put. St. Anthony the Great also says, you know, do not easily leave a place. We as Americans, this is, like, ingrained in us as Americans, uh, genetically, this, like, if you done messed up in Kentucky... You can go to Oklahoma. <laughs> and if you mess up in Oklahoma, California is waiting for you. Just declare bankruptcy or don't. Just leave. Right? <laughs> and you can start over. This has obviously changed a little bit with modern like tracking of stuff and debt. etc.
1: <laughs>
0: this is living to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> all, all of uh, Gregory's uh, exes live in Texas. <laughs> <here>. uh, <laughs> so, it is... I also say there is a kind of activity-oriented spirituality that is very prevalent with modern life. uh, That is all about doing, 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 doing. I mean, you go—not trying to dig on particular churches. This is just modern life. We think that we can uh, do a lot, that we can affect a lot of change if we just did this. And what over time, what happens is we're out here changing the world so much, but inside we're nuts. <laughs> and we think that we're affecting change and our home life is just like, right? Or we're really addicted to three major things and we're not dealing with those things because we're doing good holy work out here. Uh, the orthodox ethos is more, and is, you're gonna hear this a lot, the Lenten thing, it's like, you need to deal with yourself. When you find peace, this is a quote from St. Sarah from like, thousands around you will find salvation. This is very counterintuitive, right? Evangelism, 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 evangelism. Yeah, you don't need to uh, be afraid or fearful or ashamed of Christ out in public. But hanging out tracks, knocking on doors, some of those things, there's times and places where maybe that is good, but that is not what it means to then become a Christian, and that is then what you do. What you do is you grow in the life of Christ, and that means witnessing to who Christ is to those around you, uh, but that's gonna be discernment again, right? Some people can't hear the gospel because they think that the gospel is just, you know, hellfire and dim- damnation, right? And they don't know what the life in Christ actually is. Because if you read some of this stuff, and if you read stuff from, like let's say, Far Eastern stuff, Uh, You're like, well, some of this seems like mindfulness and like uh, emptying of self. Yeah, some of that resonates because there is some basic wisdom here, right? Like it would be a good idea probably sometimes we pay a lot of money to get gurus. And I don't mean that like in a technical sense, but like fitness gurus and all like intermittent fasting, like do hard stuff. And like you're going to get testosterone back and like all that. like. It's literally baked into the tradition. You don't need Instagram people to tell you that. (laughs) Has anyone ever heard of the Liver King? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) All right. Point. Okay. All right. (laughs) You what? I have to
1: Google it now. (laughs) Oh,
0: you're in for a ride. (laughs) Okay. Passions of the soul. Are we good with? Okay. Passions of the soul. Forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance
2: were not the three I
1: expected. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you think about it, right? Like, forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance. I
2: understand laziness. <laughs> I have a question. So, the main two, four cardinal virtues, do they encompass only the soul, or soul and body activities?
0: Well, the soul basically governs what the body does, oh. right? Okay. So, I think... Uh, what it is, as you can see, the soul and body, the soul, th- those are more interior, I'll say interior dispositions. All these metaphors are kind of sloppy, but, uh, and bodily, as you can tell, that's actually like what we're doing physically with our body. So passions of the soul, forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance. Will somebody read this next section here? I'll read it. Okay.
4: In the soul's eye, the intellect, has been darkened by these three. The soul is dominated by all the other passions. These are impiety, false teaching, or every kind of heresy, blasphemy, wrath, anger, bitterness, irritability, inhumanity, rancor, backbiting, censor- censor- censoriousness. censoriousness, senseless de- dejection, fear, cowardice, quarrelsomeness, jealousy, envy, self-esteem, pride, hypocrisy, falsehood, unbelief, greed, love of material things, attachment to worldly concerns, listlessness, faint-heartedness, ingratitude, grumbling, vanity, conceit, pomposity, boastfulness, love of power, love of popularity, deceit, shamelessness, insensibility, flattery, treachery, Pretense, indecision, assent to sins arising from the soul's passable aspect and dwelling on them continuously. Wandering thoughts, self-love, the mother of vices, avarice, the root of all evil, and finally, malice and guile.
0: So, when the noose is darkened by forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance, the soul develops these... Passions. So why forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance? We can see ignorance at the beginning, right? Heresy, like you don't know what is actually the good or what you need to believe, right? So of course, if you don't know, it's very easy for you then to be damaged in that aspect, right? Laziness. I want to know. I don't Yeah, it's kind of. uh, I think this is, in a way, like why you need the cardinal virtue of courage, like you, to get you to move out of laziness. Uh, I think laziness, ignorance, and forgetfulness are passions of the soul, uh, but obviously, but laziness, I think, is like the issue with most younger folks these days, in general. Because I think uh, laziness attached to a you want to use the french right like despondency <laughs> this kind of like um life sucks just this kind of like and, and this just like no courage no verb no like life floating in the void from one distraction to the next yes floating <laughs> in the void from one distraction to the next instagram yes <laughs> okay, it seems to me that la- uh,
2: laziness is something very profound here like is it possible to be on the daily life very active like outwardly but lazy in
1: this
0: sense yeah we can go through the motions we can do all sorts of stuff but inwardly we don't do anything spirit like actually feeding our soul or doing something towards god we all can identify with that and then that obviously leads to forgetfulness we just forget god he's not even on our horizon because we're attending to the real stuff
2: Right? Yeah, and, and by forgetfulness, is it like referring to oh, like the forgetfulness of oh, I forgot to buy a carton of eggs at the store, or is it referring to the forgetfulness of I've suppressed this information to where I know it's no longer on my how I think. Sure. Willful.
0: Ignorance. What? Willful. Willful a, a, a ignorance. No, I don't think forgetfulness is w- uh, willful as oh, mm-hmm. nor uh, maybe it could be if you want to use kind of. Psychotherapy type stuff of repressing it. Mm-hmm. I think that can be, but I think it's more of just kind of we get subsumed with the tedium of just living. We're just bodily. All we're concerned about is when we're going to sleep and when we're going to eat and when we're going to get to sit down on the couch next.
1: So when, what? pleasure to pleasure to pleasure to pleasure to pleasure. So it's referring to uh, for and then for
0: God, like we our mind is just. We're just doing this, and we're not doing this.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, forgetfulness of spiritual things, yeah. higher things. Yes,
0: it's not misplacing your car keys or forgetting to get this eight dollar thing of eggs at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> so when you
3: have that forgetfulness, then
1: you fall back into those sins where you just because yeah. you don't have anything,
3: and you're obviously
0: going to be lazy because you're not mm-hmm. like you can see again how these are all interacted. You need the knowledge of God right? So that you can be convicted and know that he's with you, that you will not actually uh, forget him or just be lazy, that you're actually going to be active. Right? And that's why the noose gets darkened and it gets dominated. It's like it's closed up and therefore, here we go. So it's <laughs> All the passions.
2: So it's like how whenever we in liturgy say, remember us O Lord, in the same way we have, we have to remember the Lord in that similar
0: We're always calling to mind yeah. God, right? What does it mean by backbiting? Backbiting? Uh, like, gossiping, like, uh, I mean, yeah. <coughs> Think of it literally. Backbiting. So, like, stabbing so someone in the back. There you go, yeah. Sowing dissension, you know.
3: What's the one after it that was
1: Where censorious? censorious-ness.
0: Yeah. Um, I have to go back and like my Victorian brain here for a second. Mm-hmm. Do you think of actually this Victorian thing is actually helpful? Uh, <laughs> you think of like the the type uh, the stereotypical or archetypal like uh, cold ant.
1: It's
0: like censorious is this kind of like shut things down and just kind of like they're not open to life. There's like this censoriousness.
2: Do you say anything against well, I think
1: you the way I do things? Yeah. Yeah, I, I
0: think that, that is where, I, I could be wrong, but that's where I go when I think of censoriousness. Mm-hmm. Not a typical everyday uh, vocabulary word for yeah. most of us. Severely critical. Severely critical. So the definition said, when I looked back, <laughs> <it>? <laughs> so There you go, the cold ant is just like, <clears throat> <laughs> maybe you guys don't have a cold ant. Trying, I don't. I don't have a cold aunt, but I think you know what I mean. Like the, yeah. there's that that family member who seems like ah oh, crap. They're here because they're just gonna go zing. <laughs>
1: right.
0: <laughs> All right, we're we're moving about as fast as I thought we would. All right, let's go to passions of body. I knew this was going to take at least two or three. I hope that you guys are getting something. I, I kind of yeah. want to. I didn't know a short way to be able to, like, just kind of put you in the deep end of the pool (laughs) to be able to say, like, the tradition has a lot to say, and this is just one small text to help give you tools and think about the spiritual life and how you need to grow in it, and it's not this kind of amorphous, just like, just love Jesus more, or just quiet time with Jesus. It's like, no... You are censorious. (laughs) Just just shut up. (laughs) Sometimes just being quiet. Like, Lord, I have called. Like, one of the things we say is put a guard on my mouth, right? Like, make me shut up. All right, speaking of that, who would like to read Passions of Body? I'll read it loudly.
2: Gluttony, greed, overindulgence, drunkenness, eating in secret, general softness of living, unchastity, adultery, licentiousness. Uncleanness, incest, pederasty, bestiality, impure desires, and every passion which is foul and unnatural, death, sacrilege, robbery, murder, every kind of physical luxury and gratification of the whims of the flesh, especially when the body is in good health, consulting oracles, casting spells, watching for omens or portents, self-adornment, ostentation, foolish display, use of cosmetics, painting the face, wasting time daydreaming trickery, impassioned misuse of the pleasures of this world, and life of bodily ease, which by coarsening the intellect, makes it clodish and brute-like, and never lets it raise itself towards God and the practice
0: of the riches. I love this portrait of the, the noose, the, the intellect that has covered in all these things, it's clodish and brute-like, but I just think of like, some of the metaphors, you know, why are werewolves, vampires, zombies really popular? I mean, zomb- first zombie movies that was basically a critique of consumerism, right? Like, mm-hmm. we just go to the mall. There's malls, right? That's still, yes. So, like, <laughs> I kind of almost want to go back to malls, like, as a thing, because you actually, like, physically were around people, right? <laughs> uh, but you can see this kind of brute like, like, you. What is Nebuchadnezzar's punishment? Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar? He was
2: basically turned into the mind of a cow.
0: Right? But he also, what happened to him? So he's. He went around on all fours, right? He the grass. Yeah? He, he becomes an animal. The fathers, this is one of their great metaphors about when we don't act like we're body and soul, that we are the priests that intercede, that we're the in-between between the spirit and the flesh, we become beasts. And like the beasts are better than me. There's a famous line from Desert Fathers, like, my dog is better than me. Right? And that is that spirit of self-compunction, of penthos in the Greek, like, to really understand the depth of the, the problem that you're in, but not losing hope in God in the midst of that. So there's a lot of stuff that that jumps out here, right? Like, <laughs> Well,
2: there's a lot instinct of... Instinct
0: gratification. Instinct gratification. Like, we don't live in a culture like that. Yes. <laughs>
4: A theme I see throughout this is the duality between internal and external. What we need and what we're constantly being encouraged with is to go into ourselves, into the Lord, into God. Because if the more we foster our internal self, uh, the better we are externally. But if we just focus on the external, even external ritual, like the um, the passions of the body even. Things that are can be good, but can also become bad, like external rituals of bathing, brushing our teeth, these um, habits that everyone pretty much does, or should do. Um, <laughs> but even the animals do that. Even insects, even plants have external rituals because that's all that they are so the more that we um, focus internally i think um the more we connect with with our humanity and our spirituality because that's what distinguishes us from every other living thing that does not have an internal life
0: yes the conundrum the paradox is that the way up is the way down that the cross is the center of everything. The challenge is that there's a lot of false Christ and false teaching about stuff in order to satiate the passions of our souls or our bodies. Uh, we've been doing Titus in the Synaxis class. What is the false teacher? They want money and power, <laughs> they want followers, right? That is the, and what is Paul's whole point throughout Corinthians when he's fighting the super apostles? What is the actual like a uh, seal on his apostleship that shows he's actually following Christ because he doesn't take money from them. Because he de- like, it's all of these examples of like attending to and not taking, not right, like this outward focus because he's dealing with inward stuff. <coughs> Does that make sense? So you can actually truly engage with people because otherwise, most of our engagement with people and, and action in the world is just ego driven. So I'm glad that you said about, like, and this is really easy in orthodoxy to get subsumed. I think I mentioned this a few times in sermons here and there, just like, icons and vestments and incense and bells and, you know, all the stuff that a lot of us didn't have anything like that (laughs) before. And it's, there's all this stuff to know. If you go, let's go back to the, the last page, the front of the last page, the struggle for virtue. We go kind of in the middle of the page where it says God is not interested. We see that God is not interested in what happens to turn out to be good or what appears to be good. He is interested in the purpose for which a thing is done. As the Holy Father say, when the intellect forgets the purpose of a religious observation, observance, sorry, the outward practice of virtue loses its value. For whatever is done indiscriminately and without purpose is not only of no benefit, even the good in itself, but it actually does harm. Conversely, what appears to be evil is really good if it is done for a godly purpose in accords with, God will, with God's will. I love his example here. So a man goes into a brothel to rescue a prostitute from destruction is a case in point. From the outside, it looks like he's going in to make a visit, pay a visit, right? But what's actually happening is he's trying to save somebody. So... Just coming to church, you can go through all the motions. You can make all the prostrations. You can make all the signs of the cross. You can receive Holy Communion, and you can walk out of here, and nothing happened. That's part of the reason why, like we say, that we don't take this to our condemnation or damnation. That we are taking seriously what it is that we're taking into our body, not mindlessly, not like in that same distraction. Which is probably, I think, then the ethos to kind of try to go back to Frederick and Matthew's cream chapter <laughs> of, like, chanting. Like, the way that we do things is much more subdued in many ways than a lot of other churches, the way they do things, right? It's not there to excite the passions. It's there to make you enter into prayer. And that's why it's hard. That's why it can be boring. <laughs> uh, that's why... It really matters. If you had a week where you're, like, really digging in to Christ, liturgy is going to be a very different experience for you than if you're just like,
1: "Ah," and then
0: you come to liturgy and you're like, this is hard. Maybe I should just be a Protestant. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me that you haven't had that thought at some point. I've been standing for two hours, right? What else? This will be the last... I want to get through the roots of the passions. Is there anything else in this? I think we hit some of these other things about like cosmetics and painting <laughs> the face, like that has a little bit of a different valence. Valence. So, roots of the passions. This is the where the passions come from: love of sensual pleasure, love of praise, and love of material wealth. Every evil has its origin in these. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Right. This is just another way of saying what First John says. As Saint Mark the ascetic, this is Mark the ascetic, which you can read in English. I encourage you. You can find it online if even if you want. he has got great. Uh, just if you read something like Mark the ascetic or Maximus the Confessor, they they have. There's a whole genre of literature they called centuries. Centuries means they have like these little paragraphs. And the idea, the way that you read them, is it's like slow eating. You're supposed to like read a paragraph, like read one of the centuries, and that's like your thought, like the thing that you ruminate over. You can read a few of them. So like Maximus of centuries on love are all about kind of pushing us about love. Who do you really love? Do you really love God? Do you really love other people? Or do you just love yourself, right? So Mark the ascetic says, a man cannot commit a single sin unless the three powerful giants Forgetfulness, laziness, and ignorance first overpower him and enslave him. And these giants are the offspring of sensual pleasure. What makes us forget and become lazy and uh, ignorant? They are sensual pleasure, luxury, love of men's esteem, and distraction. The primary cause and vile mother of them all is self-love, which is a senseless love of one's body and an impassioned attachment to it, a dispersed and dissipated intellect, given to frivolous talk and foul language produces many vices and sins laughter and loose immodest speech also lead to sin so again this isn't uh you can tell he's like there's three and then throws on distraction uh and then yeah i need to talk about like foul language so right he's painting a picture here but you can see there's this kind of like self love is the mother of everything right that's why sensual pleasure. I want to please myself. That's why luxury. I want to please myself. I want other people to highly regard me. And when I get lost in all that stuff and the distraction that all that provides, yeah, I'm going to forget God. I'm going to become lazy because all I'm searching for is the next luxurious thing for me to have and experience. And it's going to make me ignorant because what, who are interesting, lively people they're typically people who are not self-concerned, right? Th- like, they are alive and they're towards others. And they act like there's an interest. People that, you know, grade on us a little bit are usually people who, I mean, what do all millennials, like, are very common, like, are the way that we um, uh, diagnose or caricature folks? What's the go-to thing now that I've discovered? Uh, yes. <laughs> everyone's a narcissist
1: mm-hmm.
0: have you noticed that like everything now is about narcissism i think there's something right about that i think that can also be overused overplayed and and not helpful sometimes because it's just like if you actually read i encourage you go read what a narcissist is if you don't go hold on a second <laughs> am i a narcissist <laughs>
1: Honey, <laughs> 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 yes. I mean
0: the the world, especially
2: our culture, seems to be uh, everything is trying to turn everyone into narcissists because narcissists are the easiest consumers in the world. <coughs> <you> right. <laughs>
0: hmm. Yes. Why? What? So, what is the the core myth of narcissists? Right, the guy who is obsessed with uh, looking at himself in the the water.
2: He looks at his reflection in the lake all day until he. He falls in love with himself,
0: and and he kills himself basically because of his distraction. Is that not the spiritual life? (laughs) Donuts! (laughs) Uh, Pleasure, like whatever. Would you think that like nihilism is is attached with that? Oh, nihilism is. Nihilism is the apotheosis of when you basically deified these things, right? Nihilism is basically saying nothing is meaningful. The only thing uh, is me. I mean, that is Nietzsche's whole... The ubermensch is, like, it doesn't matter. I have to self-create. I am my own god.
1: Yeah, like, when I was in school, that's what I heard. Teachers,
0: just everybody repeating day after day after day after day. Well, America- it like it's just, like, re- reinforced with uh, n- non-narcissism. Yeah, especially the stories they I sometimes in, like, English
4: and reading. I'm like, should this be in school? <laughs> a great
0: so-, so a great story to be able to see the passions, like... Uh, being worked out. There's a lot of stories that you start thinking this way. Madame Bovary? Has anyone read Flaubert's Madame Bovary? There's a reason why she's called Bovary. She's like bovine.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah. Th-
0: he's, he's aware. Uh, Flaubert even has a, a, a work on St. Anthony and the temptation of St. Anthony and stuff. So uh, we're out of time. I'm glad that we got as far as we did. I think next week. Uh, we're going to take a break from this, and we're, I'm going to try, I've asked Lynn to kind of lay out Lent, so we have an idea of what we're about to go into. Uh, it's going to be kind of like an overview, uh, mostly because you need to experience Lent. With, you need to start preparing, as I was saying in the homily, right, like you need to start preparing for Lent. Uh, so that when it comes, you're ready to actually engage with it. Otherwise, it's just like, so that's like Wednesday nights. You need, like, put it on the counter of pre-sanctified liturgy. Uh, it would be good for you to come to Vespers anyways before that, but like, we don't have Vespers before that. I mean, like, in normal times, we have Vespers on Wednesday nights. But if you can't, because maybe you live 45 minutes away, for example, some of you are an hour and change away, right? That's kind of hard. But in Lent... I really encourage you to make that extra because the pre-sanctified liturgy, it's beautiful. It's also one of the cornerstones of what the Lenten fast is about. Uh, I will, I need to get, I don't know if I have every single person's email, but I will get in everyone's email next time. Uh, I have a lot of your emails already. Uh, to send out an essay that Metropolitan Police Ware wrote about the meaning of the great fast and he just kind of goes through and he talks about fasting because once we talk about the layout of Lent and we go through and finish this, then I want to start talking about fasting. and we're going to go back and talk about that using Metropolitan Closus, where to kind of talk about the Lenten ethos and what is going on. Where we'll pick up from some of the hymnody, etc. Okay, this I'd also for me. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a it's a journey and it's an arduous journey, and it gives you it gives you food and strength for the journey. Uh, to be here, especially on, on Wednesdays. Um, it, it, it's it's bad to try to attempt it without that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> this is an old version, so it doesn't look like this, but Great Lent by Father Alexander Schmemann. I highly encourage you to buy this book. It's just on Amazon, if you want to buy it off Amazon, you can buy it straight from svspress.com. Uh, this will lay out uh, Lent and worship, preparation for Lent, uh, the whole journey uh, that is there. Okay, there's also a book by Father uh, Thomas Hopko, The Linton Spring. If I'm remembering correctly, the name. Uh, that I would also suggest. I would suggest doing Hopko though next year, after you're already Orthodox, because it's a little bit more devotional, uh, and so.
1: Yeah,
0: all right. Let's end with prayer. <laughs> Lord, now let us, thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen the salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to enlighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.